It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Todd Churches, welcome to World's Best. Thank you, Levin. Great to be with you. Todd, I've thrown you under the bus today because when we booked this podcast, the podcast name was Become Your Own Superhero and you've put a lot of time and effort into what we're going to talk about today and I don't want to miss that opportunity. This this podcast will be or is rebranded as World's Best and it will probably be more geared towards our audio only uh, audience which ties in even more beautifully with what you talk about. So if you just bear that in mind, why don't you tell us what's going on beneath those shirts of yours? All right. So basically, uh, I talk about this in my TED Talk on the power of visual thinking. Um, I opened with, when I was a kid growing up in Queens, New York, people would say to me, Todd, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would say, I want to be Superman. So I'm wearing my Superman T-shirt today. And uh, Superman has... uh, many superpowers, one of which is x-ray vision. Now, I don't have x-ray vision, but I do have visual thinking as one of my superpowers. So when you talk about being the best in the world at something, world's best, um, I hope to be one of the world's best thought leaders, if not the best thought leader in the field of visual thinking and visual communication, which adds up to visual leadership. And then people would say, all right, if you can't be Superman, what's your backup plan? Not everyone gets their first choice. So what's your backup plan? In our careers, we need to have a backup option so my backup plan was to be Batman. So underneath my Superman, I have my Batman shirt. So for those <laughs> and uh, Batman had his utility belt. And similarly, I have my visual thinking, visual leadership toolkit. So packed with all kinds of no boomerangs, but a lot of other tools, tips and techniques to help people become their best selves. And I think that's one of the key things. Um, I have this framed uh, picture, world's best comics with Superman and Batman. So it's a constant theme. So I love that we have both the superhero and world's best as unifying themes in our work. Well, Todd, I want to ask you a, a curly one to start off with, and it's around what does being the world's best anything mean to you? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean that no one is as good as you. It means that you are the best version of yourself. My friend Rob Salafia wrote a great book that's right over my shoulder here called Leading from Your Best Self. It's like you want to be the best self you could be. You don't want to be a second-rate someone else. So that's what I would say is when it comes to being the world's best, that you put your heart and soul, you have a sense of passion and purpose, and you aspire to be the best version of yourself um, that you could be, regardless of whatever your chosen field is. So I think that's what it means to me. Well, it's a really, really great, succinct uh, wrap-up of, of what, what I mean it to mean, at least. And I think it's a really important distinction because the culture in which I grew up in New Zealand and Australia being exposed to a lot of English and uh, South African uh, cultures, it's there's a real 
challenge around this, what they call the tall poppy syndrome. And people are what I like to call annoyingly humble. And, and what I wish is that more people would take ownership of their sheer brilliance because when we allow ourselves to take ownership, then we inspire others. And I'm keen to pick your brains on that. You know, my, um, when I, before I formed my own company, Big Blue Gumball, back in 2010, I was the head of leadership development for a company called LiquidNet. And our CEO had a mantra. He wanted everyone in the company to be the best in the world at what they did. Whatever it was, it's like if you you may or may not, it's kind of, you know, the phrase shoot for the stars and you may not make it, but you may land on Mars, right? So you, you want to aspire, you want to have, I know you for rhymes, right? Um, so you want to have lofty aspirations to be the best that you could be. And even if you don't become the best, you can be a best, right? And to me, one of my mantras is making the world a better place one leader at a time. So I'm, I try to help through my teaching at NYU in Columbia and through my consulting and coaching work and my book. Um, try to help people become the best version of their own selves that they can be. Yeah, fantastic. And a lot of that is is wrapped up in your beautiful book, Visual Leadership, uh, leveraging the power of visual thinking in leadership and in life, which you produced in 2020, I think that came out. Yeah, it came out in May 2020, so about a year and a half ago. Yeah. And I'd, I'd love to know, Todd, now that it's been out long enough, what are some of the unintended beautiful byproducts of that book coming out that you've come to learn? Well, one is, you know, when you put a book out there into the world, I know your book is coming out very soon. In fact, I just pre-ordered it on Amazon, so I look forward to receiving it. Oh, thank you very much. It's taking a risk to put your ideas out, you know, as a thought leader. Think about the word thought leader. There's the thought part, and then there's the leader part, right? The thoughts is you have these ideas in your head, but how do you get those ideas out of your head and out there into the world to impact others? Um one way to do that, you know, through blog posts and videos, but, you know, a big way is through a book. And it's a huge risk. It's a huge investment of your time and, and um, you're putting your heart and soul out there and people can shoot it down. But to me, the best thing is how it's been resonating with people, because um, there's a million books out there on leadership, as we know, and visual thinking and design thinking is like one of those hot topics. But usually like artists and designer type people latch onto it. Most managers, most leaders don't think of themselves as visual leaders, visual thinkers. So when we talk about what does it mean to have a visual, a vision of the future, or what does it mean to be a visionary leader like a Steve Jobs and Elon Musk or um, or someone in that category, it's about having a vision, a picture of a better future in your mind's eye that maybe other people don't see, but you have to get that idea out of your head and into the heads of others in order to make that vision a reality. So the best thing I've, I found from the book is how it has resonated with people and how people say, oh, I do some of these things, but I never really thought about it before. I never saw things in this light before. So it's helping people to see things in a, in a fresh new way. Well, one of the things, one of the many things I love about what you wrote down in your book, Todd, was the, the many references to the literal thousands of self-help, self-development, nonfiction, and I suppose, modern day parable books. And that's something that resonates deeply with me because over the last four and a half, five years, I've powered through over 500 books plus countless hours of podcasts. And it has fundamentally shifted and changed the direction of my life, empowered me with finding my purpose, deep levels of fulfillment, the woman of my dreams, health, well-being, and a litany of other things. And I want to know from you what something recently that you came to learn from a book that you read that you never knew before? 
Oh, that's a trick question. I haven't. I read. Just so you know, um, I mentioned in my book, I've been reading an average of one business book a week since 1998. So 22 years now, wow. uh, 23 years. So if that's 50 a year. That adds up to around 1,100 business books, and that's in addition to podcasts and everything else. So um, each one, um, you want to take something from, right? Each a book is a conversation with the author. You're getting into the mind of the author. So. Um, one of the books that I reread recently and is on my shelf right behind me is Marshall Goldsmith's What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And I keep that book out on the shelf facing out just because of the cover. Um, and you can't see it from here, but there's a picture of a guy standing on the top rung of a ladder, reaching for the bottom rung of the next ladder, but there's a huge gap. He can't reach it. So that's a great metaphor for wh wherever we are in our lives. It's amazing. It's great. We should reward, reward ourselves and recognize our accomplishments. But what's that next ladder and how am I going to get to the bottom rung of that next ladder, whatever that is for you? One way is to stand on the shoulders of others, right? So if someone else gave you a boost, um, that's how you can reach that bottom rung. And one of the ways to get a boost from others is to do the reading that you're talking about, to read and to pick the brains of people who have been there before, who are smarter than us in one area. Um, so I think that's what I try to be for other people is that person who gives that person, uh, other people a little boost to help them reach that bottom rung of the next ladder for them in their life, in their career, whatever that may be. So, um, so while I read a lot of new books, there's uh, some of my go-tos that I go back to all the time. And, and that's one of the big ones. And I'm a big fan and, and, uh, and now a member of Marshall Goldsmith's MG 100 coaches, which is pretty cool. Yeah, which we shouldn't gloss over, by the way. And Marshall Goldsmith is a phenomenal human being and, and someone that I know has had a huge impact on your life and the lives of three other of my guests. So I've had 4% of the top 100 on the podcast over the last year and a half, which is very exciting. And what is it about Marshall and the way that he teaches what he teaches that makes it so effective? Well, I mean, Marshall basically invented the executive coaching field. Uh, years ago, I was reading the New Yorker magazine, and they did a profile of him, and that's what really put him on the map. Um, and then he wrote his book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. He came up with the idea of feed forward, which is not about, you know, instead of beating people over the head about what they did wrong in the past, it's like, let's talk about what you can do better in the future. Um, he taught me so much about, as an executive coach, um, you know, to let certain things go. Uh, don't coach people who don't want to be coached. So there's so many things. Um, so I actually went to hear before years ago, first time I ever met him in person, he was doing a workshop in New York about his book and about Feed Forward. And after the workshop, myself and two other colleagues stayed afterwards to talk to him. And we figured, oh, we'll talk to him for five or 10 minutes. 90 minutes later, we were like, Marshall, we have to get back to the office. We have meetings. We have to, like, he didn't want, he was so generous with his time. And um, so he kind of like contributed to my 4G's philosophy, which is be genuine, be generous, be grateful, and um, and be graceful. Um, so I got those uh, G's. So be, gener be genuine is be yourself. Be generous is do things for the betterment of others. Be grateful comes from um, a colleague, colleagues of mine uh, in, the, in the MG100, um, Chester Elton and Adrian Gostick, which is about leading with gratitude. And John Baldoni, who's one of my uh, favorite authors on leadership for the last 20 years, who I now am friends with, um, he wrote a book recently called Grace. That's about leading with grace. So those four G's has become like a mantra and a philosophy and approach that I take to uh, everything that I do. Yeah, fantastic. Because we all know, those that have read the book, that you've had some pretty shitty bosses in your day, Todd. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I, if you look in the Guinness Book of World Records under wor most worst bosses, and you'll find my name right in there. Um, so, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I worked in um, – 
an industry. I worked in Hollywood for a number of years and uh, Hollywood is just, you know, filled with, you know, one of the problems of Hollywood that you go into it because of the create, creativity and the excitement and the glamour of the movie or TV or theme park business, right? Um, unfortunately, a lot of the values in that industry are about ego, power, control, and money, right? So it's, uh, it's um, I had really horrible bosses, egomaniacs, abusive, I, you know, if you're keeping an abuse log and you have an entry every single day, you know, you may not be in, in the right place. And the story I tell in my book, uh, the chapter on horrible bosses. I was once sitting typing up a memo, and my boss, I hear, I heard her office door swing open, and I felt something whip by my head, and she started screaming at me. It turned out I had ordered the wrong pens. She wanted the fine point; these were the medium points. So instead of just giving me that feedback or feed forward, she literally threw the box of pens at my head and missed my head by inches and started screaming at me in front of all my colleagues. And it's like that was just acceptable management behavior back then. So uh, I, I learned a lot. Um, about how not to manage and how not to lead. And uh, that's what kind of drove me into management leadership, saying there's got to be a better way to manage and lead than to uh, through abuse, tyranny, and, uh, and physical assault. <laughs> Do you want to know my theory, Todd, on yeah. why I think Hollywood and, and the similar um, places Wall around the world Street, are Wall very similar? Street and a number of other industries are very like. So here's my theory, because... For until I finally figured out and got myself sorted through my own magical transformation and was able to focus on things like unhealthy ego and a number of other validation seeking and that type, is I think it attracts a lot of people that, that have an, uh, a purpose of inspiring and motivating and leveling up people, but it's misguided because they're still dealing with whatever uh, traumas that they've taken on through whether it be childhood or just stuff that they've experienced. And it's relatively misguided. And of course, when you attract other people that are in that same boat, you're only going to get worse, aren't you? You're not going to improve like you would if you're around people like Marshall Goldsmith and, and 99 other people in that cohort. Yeah, yeah. People, you, you want to be around people who's who are oriented towards helping and learning and leading. And, um, you know, one of my mantras is my mission is making the world a better place, one leader at a time. And to me, everyone is a leader in one way or another. Right. So if you start with that foundation, as I do with my NYU students. So like in my NYU class, I'll ask in session one of my class, just for curiosity, how many people here are leaders? Raise your hand. And no one raises the hand or they're not sure. And I say, by the end of tonight, you're all going to be raising your hand because we're, we're going to redefine what it what leadership is all about. It is not about a title. It's not about being the CEO or the president. It's about thinking and acting as a leader, stepping into leadership, filling a leadership void, speaking up and speaking out, helping other people turn their visions into realities. So if you reframe and redefine what leadership is, you can make yourself a leader literally in seconds just by changing the definition because there is no one definition, but it really is about making the world a better place through leadership. So people, and, and I love that as well, because it's, it's a wonderful quote. I don't know who said it. You're never too young to teach. You're never too old to learn. And, and, I, and I love the analogy of Frank Abagnale and Catch Me If You Can that mm. people might have heard about that based on a real-life character, Frank Abagnale, that Leonardo DiCaprio played and interviewed years later. He, was, he taught a whole semester of school. And, the, and when he was 17, they're like, Frank, how did you do this? And he just said, I just read one lesson ahead. I was one lesson ahead of what I was teaching. And I, mm. it's such a brilliant metaphor for life, would you, th- yes. would you agree? Yes, stay a step ahead of everyone else and uh, share your knowledge. Again, be generous. Share that knowledge. Some people hoard information and, and knowledge because they want to be the smartest person in the room. And Marshall Goldsmith identifies that as one of the 20 
workplace habits leaders need to break is wanting to be the smartest person in the room. Um, you want to surround yourself with people smarter than you. And you want to be, you know, I love the idea of leaders as teachers, right? And, and as coaches, you're, um, it's not all, leadership is not about you. It's about others and it's about the world. So I think once you reframe it in that way, it changes how you go about everything that you do. Well, that's interesting. What are some of the other behaviors that need to be changed, Todd? Um, you know, our values, like what's important to us. You know, um, if your company is all about making money as opposed to uh, a friend of mine, Lisa McLeod, wrote a book called Leading with Noble Purpose and Selling with Noble Purpose. And if you just think about that phrase, noble purpose, so you can make more money by trying to sell something to someone that is going to help them than by trying to trick someone into buying something so that you can make a sale, right? So it's like, as from a sales perspective, and that's not one of my strengths, so selling is definitely, but Dan Pink in his book, To Sell as Human, says that we're all in sales, right? We're all trying to influence and even if we're just selling our ideas. Um, But what does it mean to lead with a noble purpose? It's about doing something with intention to help others as opposed to, like, so when I sell my training services, I feel really good about it because I know people are buying something that's going to help them improve. When I was in college and I worked summers, one summer for one month as a vacuum cleaner salesman for these overpriced vacuums that lasted about, you know, a week after people bought them. Um, And I did that for about a month before I realized what a scam it was. Um, you know, that type of sales, like used car salesman, where, you know, the car breaks down the second someone drives it off the lot. That's not the same thing as like selling and doing and leading with a noble purpose, which is about, um, trying to help people as opposed to take advantage of people. So I think just like reframing, you know, our priorities, our goals, having a philosophy of helping, um, really goes a long way. And I think that there's a great lesson there. If you are a secondhand car salesman or woman that, there's a wonderful opportunity to set yourself apart from the the legacy that's associated with used car salesmen, right? Because th- there will be some wonderful used car salesmen out there, and, and it's a really important role that if you're able to execute properly, you can solve a lot of people's problems. And I think, and that's that's what's so simple and so beautiful about this whole concept, right? Yeah, if you go about that with integrity and say, I'm not trying to trick this person to buying something they're going to regret, but they're going to buy something and then send, tell their friends how amazing I was and they're going to send their friend, right? So the whole idea of integrity, living with integrity, leading with integrity. I actually guest spoke at Fordham University for a real estate a real estate course that was on ethics and real estate. And we talked about, you know, you talk about in real estate, the integrity of a building but you also talk about the integrity of the real estate person, right? Whether they both have a solid foundation, right? So if you think about it, that word is like a, is a metaphor, right? So whether, so you're going to be, and, and we haven't even mentioned the word trust yet, right? Trust is the foundation of every relationship and of leading um, and being open, honest, trustworthy. What does it mean to be trustworthy? It means you've earned someone's trust by being honest and operating with integrity. And that's how we build relationships. And again, that comes back to leaders. Do you trust your leader or is it your, do you doubt everything that your leader is saying? And I'll give our audience a wonderful example. My darling fiance and I have recently relocated to Playa del Carmen in Mexico. And for anyone that's visited this part of the Riviera Maya, it's a beautiful part of the Caribbean. And there's a number of tours and things that you can do uh, from Fifth Avenue, which is a very popular tourist destination here. And there's countless hawkers and sales guys. Uh, there's the odd lady here and there, but they're fundamentally men. And we met a guy who I said from the get-go, I said, let's call him Juan, right? I think that might have been his name. 
I said, Juan, I, if you look after us, because I'd heard about there was a few scams and stuff. If you look after us, I will send all of my business your way. And I meant that truly. He took that information and he still, he didn't rip, he didn't scam us, but he left key things out that made the whole experience way less than what it could have been. And, and I calculated and that, that decision by Juan cost him six times what we spent because we were going to do, we did our other tours through other people. And this is not a blight on the the culture or any of that stuff. It's about, about being presented opportunities to do the right thing and capitalizing on them. And, and what he didn't know about me is that when people look after me, I'm their number one brand ambassador and I do it with, I don't want anything for it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? You try it. You you just remind me my, um, another MG 100, Colleague Dory Clark wrote a book called um, The Long Game. It just came out last month. How to be a long-term thinker in a short-term world. Juan was not a long-term thinker, right? He was just <laughs> living for today, trying to get what he could. But it's short-sighted and it's not sustainable. He could have had an advocate in you, a fan, a supporter. You could have, you know, quadrupled his business. And yet he chose to take the, you know, the quick and, the quick and easy way out. And he, he lost. So it's... Um, yeah, so it's, it's great that you you know that you try to do that, and not everyone responds. So it's uh, we want to surround ourselves with people who are um, who do operate with integrity, and their worth is their bond, and um, you know that makes a big difference. Well, one one other key point to include in that story as well is that as part of what I do for work, I love having honest, authentic, real conversations with people about what they might need uh, help with. And, and I get a lot out of it. It's, it's a really amazing part of my growth and it teaches me how to tell my stories more effectively as well. And he, he opened up to me that he had battled with alcohol addiction and, you know, people, that's my superpower. People tell me stuff very quickly because I am very real and authentic in the way that I, that I am, right? And, and even though we had that connection, it still happened and it was a great lesson for me because I was like, even though we had that, that connection and we're building that trust, it still didn't work out the way that I had hoped. And I wonder how I could have improved that situation. So maybe that's a question for you, Todd. How would you, knowing the information you have now, have approached that situation different next time? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to test people necessarily. But, you know, you remind, as you were talking, you reminded me of the story. I think it's the st- story of like a turtle and a scorpion, right? The scorpion's trying to get across to the other side of the river. And the turtle's like, well, I'll take you across and you can swim on my back if you promise not to sting me. And scorpion says, sure, that's a promise. Halfway across the water, what happens? The scorpion stings the turtle, he dies, and they both sink and drown. And as they're going down, the turtle says, I thought you made that promise not to sting me. And the scorpion said, sorry, I'm a scorpion. It's like, that's just what we do and who we are. So it's kind of like, that's like one of those Aesop, Aesop's fable kind of thing. Like people yeah. will, you know, will kill the thing that that's offered to help them just because that's who they are. So I think that's a, a test of our ability to... Uh, to gauge people, you know, we want to, we don't want to go in not trusting people. We want to be trustworthy, but when you've been bitten a few times or betrayed a few times, it makes it harder. One of the chapters in my book is called why my wife doesn't trust me anymore. Also known as the the cockroach story. And the quick quick version of it is when we moved into our apartment in Manhattan, uh, we were doing some construction and we're sitting having dinner um, and all of a sudden, a cockroach started running across the room, a big, gigantic one the size of a lobster uh, in New York. Um, so my wife screamed, I yelled, and I went to ra- racing after it. I tried to kill it. 
and then raced back into the hole in the wall. But my wife was so like stressed about it. She said, did you get it? I said, yeah, I got it. I got it, threw it out. Three minutes later, we went back to eat and all of a sudden cockroach. And I was like, all right, this was a moment of truth. Do I tell my wife that I lied to her about killing it just so we could get back to dinner? Or do I confess that I didn't do it and I'm no longer her superhero. So I, had a, so I was thinking, I was weighing the pros and cons because my wife thought we were infested with cockroaches. That would be a larger issue. So I finally got it. I killed it. I threw it out. And then about a year later, we were in bed and my wife screamed, cockroach in the bathroom. I ran in, actually killed it. Um, and then I went back to bed and my wife tapped me on the shoulder saying, did you really kill it or are you lying to me again? Right. So I planted that seed of doubt. So I, she trusts me with everything in the world, except when it comes to bugs. And no <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's a funny story and it's a true story. But it's just like, think about how you could plant the seed of doubt in someone's mind just by one small lie, one small untruth. Right. So that's what they say. It's like it takes a lifetime to build trust, but you can lose it in a second. So when you think about that, it's like, how can you keep your integrity and you want to be known as a person that can be trusted and that's not something you can do occasionally it's as a leader it's so important to be trustworthy and truthful all the time so yeah well i <laughs> i uh my heart goes out to Juan because uh what kind of life is he living where he's constantly dodging and diving you know so it's uh it's there's a I've forgiven him. I've that's a really important part and a really important distinction. I've forgiven him, moved forgiven on, him, but do you trust him, right? So, would you do would you you know give him a second chance? That's another, or is he someone who's just you know, Marshall Goldsmith? That one again, one of his mantras is let it go and don't coach people who don't want to be coached. So, you were kind of coaching him and he didn't want to be coached, right? He didn't want to be helped. So, um, maybe invest that time into someone who does, maybe find a new one, you know, one 2.0 who uh will appreciate your generosity. And that way you can invest in that person. Shall I do uh, Juan on Juan or Juan to many? <laughs> yeah, you can do a one-on-one one on one conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Todd, people listening to this, asking the question, how do I get better at this? What, what do you have on offer that you can show to these people today? Sure. Well, in my book, Visual Leadership, I break it down. How can we be a more visual leader? How can we see the world in a new way so we can make our visions a reality? And I break it down to four categories, using visual imagery and, draw and or drawing, using mental models and frameworks, using metaphor and analogy, and using storytelling with bonus points for humor when appropriate, right? So we already do these things when you speak metaphorically, when you, you say something is like something else, when you use humor, as we're hopefully doing a little bit, when you tell a story, we both share the number of stories, we help people to see what we're saying, right? And that's the challenge of every business professional, of every human, is how do you get an idea out of your head into someone else's? Uh, in Hamlet, um, uh, Shakespeare has Hamlet say, I, I, I think I see my father in my mind's eye. When he saw the ghost of his father, he didn't know if it was a real ghost, an apparition, or if it was a, fig, a figment of his imagination. So how do you get something from your mind's eye, something that you see in your head, and into someone else's? That's the power of visual thinking, visual communication, and visual leadership. So that's why I try to help people do is to use visual techniques, as well as auditory and other senses. But really, it's about how do you get people to see things, see possibilities, notice things that maybe they missed before. Um, it's one thing to look at something. It's another thing to see it right? So it's like, that's the metaphor that I use. Sometimes we look through a telescope out into the future. Sometimes we look at into a microscope to get down into the details. So it's all about the lens through which we see the world. So I think if we could change our lens, just as getting a new 
pair of prescription glasses that will help us see more clearly. Um, we could see things with rose-colored glasses if we're positive. Sometimes we need to put on our dark shades. So that metaphor of seeing and noticing and looking and watching is a way to change your reality because if you don't see something, it's hard to change it. There's that saying, if you, if you can't be it, if you can't see it. So we're trying to help people see possibilities that they can eventually become. Fantastic. And I've got to say from the bottom of my heart, Todd, the the direct impact you've had on my life through what you've written and the content that you've shared and the people that we've connected with as a result uh, is is something that just has exemplified a lot of the stuff we've talking about, t- spoken about today rather, talking about. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Who am I? Steve, Steve Sims or something, right? <laughs> so. We- this is an Australian accent meets New York accent. Someone said to me recently that I sounded like they were an American and it, actually it was Bob Berg from The Go-Giver and he said that I sounded like uh, Crocodile uh, yeah, Dundee. Crocodile Dundee. Well, 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 yes, yes. And, um, well, people, some people call me the Seinfeld of, of leadership because of my, uh, <laughs> my style and approach and we both grew up on Long Island. Um, but I know your focus is on courage. And uh, as you were talking, I was just thinking of the quote from Winston Churchill that I love, that it takes courage to, sp- to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. And you're such a great listener. You pull out the best from people. So I want to thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that a lot, Todd. And you'll be very pleased to know that I am related to Winston Churchill via marriage. Really? Yeah, That's amazing. If, wow. if you can be related via marriage, but yeah. but it, but there's probably some genetic uh, crossover somewhere from the breeding. I don't know, like the, what they're learning about DNA now. Everything's on the table, right? Yep, you never know. But uh, yes, that's def- definitely uh, that's definitely part of who you are as a, as a leader is uh, you know the courage to 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 first of all be vulnerable and be yourself and put it out there, and secondly to be such a good listener and pull the best out of other people. So you're you're, well, you're, you're great at that. Well, thanks again, Todd. And you wait till you read the book, Bet On You, which by the time this comes out will be available on Amazon, Bet On You. Uh, there's some, it's outrageous. If you imagine Charlie Sheen meets Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but with, with, with a point to the story. <laughs> I look forward to it. I had my, I'm on order. I can't wait for it to arrive. <laughs> Todd, how do people find you? Sure. The best way is just go to my website, toddchurches.com. And it's C-H-E-R-C-H-E-S. So uh, there you'll find my TED Talk. You'll find information about my book and some other fun information, including about downloading my list of my top 52 books that most influenced me. And also just connect with me on, on LinkedIn. Just to say, hey, I saw you on Laban's show and uh, connect with me and we'll continue the conversation uh, on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Yeah, and church is C-H-E-R-C-H-E-S. Have you got a direct, have you got a redirect from the other spelling of churches, toddchurches.com? I, I don't. I probably should, but uh, no, it's, it's, I don't have that right now. I've been able to procure a few amazing domain names recently. I got World's Best Courage Coach, World's Best Mastermind, World's Best Masterclass, and mm-hmm. I could not believe that these these domain names were still available. And they cost oh. me like six dollars each. So, <laughs> oh, that's great. That's good. That's a great tip. I should do that. Todd, what concluding thoughts do you have for our audience today? Um, you know, you always talk about you know this, who's this the, the, what what superhero are you? What are your superpowers? And also, what can you be the world's best at? And you know, there's two sayings. One is don't try to be a second rate someone else, be the best version of yourself. And one of the things, other things, because we talked a little bit about our mutual friend, 
Oleg, who wrote the book, The Vision Code, right? And you're saying, is he competition? And then, no, he's a colleague, right? So instead of saying, I'm going to try to get a bigger piece of the pie, let's all collaborate to make the entire pie bigger. And so everyone can get a bigger piece. So I didn't invent that metaphor, but I love it because so know that to be, if you are the best that you could be, and this is the Mar Marshall Goldsmith philosophy too. Like if I, if I help one person and that one person helps a hundred, I just helped 101 people, right? So if you think about things exponentially like that, any one person you, that's why I teach, right? I've, I've been teaching for 11 years at NYU and Columbia. If every student goes out back into the world a better leader than they were when they walked into my class, think about the thousands of people I've impacted and the fewer people who are gonna get hit by a box of pens from a boss throwing it at them if people become leaders instead of uh, these horrible managers that I've had. So that's what I would say is, you know, impact one person um, and you can change the world. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd Churches. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.